Well, hello and welcome to a brand new season of Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. Gilmore Girls is the coffee and we're the shot of cynicism. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Lenny. And this is our season four premiere episode and we're so happy to have you listening because we're going jumping right into everything. Everything. Um, but first, uh, you know, the topic you've all been waiting for. Uh, David. Have they? Well, it was in January, so time has passed. I think you're. I think everyone's kind of over it. How uh, long have we been away? We so we didn't. We we did an interview a few weeks ago. Last week was it? We also last? did quarantine series. Yes. Yeah, so we did a Christmas episode. Then we did an interview. So we've been gone. But since our weekly episodes, we've been gone since the first week of November. That's crazy. Okay. So you know, a lot has happened since then, just in general and with humanity, with each other, everything. Gilmore Girls. Number one, number one, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, you know, that seems to just be the constant of it all. Mm. Uh, number two, we're still separated, both by pandemic and geography. Yes, I mean, like I said, even if there wasn't a pandemic, you still would have moved, so we still would have been separated anyway, but I, I, know. Feel, I feel the love through the computer and the phone. You really shouldn't, but anyways. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And uh, what else? Um, I feel like that's the, I feel like this is what happens with us. We're like so much time goes by, and then we're like, what? Hi, <laughs> who are you again? Are you Jeffrey? Yes, yes, I am. And sh- this is Alemis. Her new name's Alemis, by the way. So oh, the. <laughs> The email, the email typos of her name just continue. Someone just a few weeks ago referred to her as Alemis. E-L-E-M-I-S. I don't know how you get that from a Lenny, but here we are. Honestly, if they had just replaced the N with the M, I would have been like, okay, it's a typo. Yeah, but there's an S. Where'd the S come from? <laughs> but I don't know where the fuck the S came from. <laughs> oh, mama mia. And that's what I was telling Jeffrey and his mother today. I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, write back and say, hey, actually, my name is Eleni. And <laughs> it's literally written in my email address. Ugh, <laughs> uh, whatever. The struggle is real. Maybe. I don't even have it that bad. So I can imagine <laughs> people with complicated names with more complicated names than me. It's true. Yeah. So we're not going to complain about that. I mean, of all the things to complain about right now. Oh, I'm- yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> There's so many other things to complain about. Speaking of which, um, should we vent a little about our lovely, um, what, what, what should we call him? Our lovely, not he's not lovely. He's yeah. Ugly. I don't know. Why I was like, why is he starting with lovely? I mean, it's lovely in the sarcastic sense, you know. Oh. Um, Mr. David Sutcliffe. Okay, so here's the thing. Jeffrey was like, when we were planning what to say, what to say, we were planning what our intro topic was going to be because, you know, we, you know, we don't like to jump right into the episode. We love to give you 97 minutes of banter beforehand. <laughs> um, Literally, everyone's like, why do you only, why do we start talking about Gilmore Girls like 30 minutes into each episode? Because our podcast and we'll cry if we want to. Okay, thanks. Exactly. Um, but this, thank God, is Gilmore Girls related. But I just have to say, so Jeffrey's like, um, I'm assuming we're going to be talking about David Suckles. I'm like, oh, do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, yeah, we should touch upon it a little bit. Because I think, I don't know if we caused controversy or if the controversy was already there and we just highlighted it. <sighs> All I know, it was a shitstorm, okay? 
I'm, I don't know if we caused, like you said, I don't know if we caused the controversy, but we certainly added flame to the fire. Added fuel to the fire, flame to the fire. Okay, I can't even, see, we're not, we're not even halfway in, I can't speak. Fuel yeah, to the fire. Fuel to the fire, indeed. Um, definitely did that. <laughs> so, no regrets, though. Essentially, you posted um, a, the, a screenshot of a tweet, basically. Um, it was a Every single time Christopher comes up, that's our face. That's our facial reaction, pretty much. Yeah, that was and, like new reaction to Christopher coming on the screen. And yeah. the caption that I wrote was, um, yes, Christopher is trash, but is he more trash than David Sutcliffe rioting at the Capitol? And yeah. then all hell broke loose. All hell broke loose, you guys. All hell. Crazy. <laughs> yes. Because there wasn't act, we don't actually have concrete proof or receipts necessarily. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, I'm gonna give you the floor because you're the one who dealt with the brunt of this. So. Okay, so it's not that I don't have concrete proof. My choice of words was a little bit off. Okay. Because I shouldn't have said rioting. Um, because I don't know if he actually participated in the riot itself. However. There is proof, and we posted the proof, that he was at the Capitol. Oh, definitely. All happened. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, okay, my bad, poor choice of words. But don't tell me he wasn't there, because he was there. <laughs> and, like, I'm not going to say I'm not surprised, because a part Ooh. of me was like, a part of me was like, seriously, really? But then I thought about it for a minute. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. So he was there. And then his post, he says his post was taken down by Instagram. But I don't know if he just deleted it because people were fully upset that the fact that people were basically plotting an insurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless, the post was there. Somebody managed to screenshot it and send And then we... Because we got so much shit for saying that without proof, quote unquote, I said, well, here's my proof. Mm -hmm. And then I said, uh, what did I say? Oh, yeah. And then I changed the caption because people were so upset. And listen, rightfully so. If he didn't riot, that's on me. I shouldn't have said he rioted. But he was there. He was there. He was there. And he's tweeted some pretty nasty things since. Mm -hmm. He tweeted the fact that his only regret is not being it no yeah his only regret is not being able to share a joint with the rioters right just smoke weed with the rioters he then said um that he was really he was only joking guys nobody could take a joke but then he posted the weed thing right after i don't know what the fuck this man is doing with his life i don't want to know um we also got contacted by people from his past who wanted our opinion on something we're gonna leave that where it is like we're not that was that was a very interesting day in our dms i have to say i have to say a part of me felt very powerful (laughs) i was like a bit like i don't even know how to describe it i was i thought it wasn't real at first i'm like wait 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 what is this and then it got worse and worse and worse i'm like oh okay this is real this is real but like again you have to take everything like that with a grain of salt right um 
And like I said, we're not posting that kind of, we're not posting that stuff. We're not, um, and to their credit, this person wasn't really trying to, um, you know, look for an outlet to expose him or whatever. It was really like, she saw our post. She was contacted by the authorities who found out that he was there and wanted to know if she had any concrete evidence. And because she saw our post, she thought that maybe we did. Mm-hmm. But we directed her to the same sources that you guys saw, and the whole thing was the whole thing. But I it was very I- interesting to have like an everyday person's perspective on the fact that he's very much disgusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he gross. gross. Um, um, it w- yeah, it was interesting. If, ooh, I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know what to say. It was very interesting. People were coming after us saying, we don't know what we're talking about, um, defending him. And we got we got an earful from a bunch of people. But I do have to say, in comparison to in the fall when people were attacking us around the U.S. election, I think the riots in January were like the, I'm not going to say the end of the story, because it's still very much present and ongoing, but, like, that was the straw that broke the camel's back, and everyone was like, okay, this is what you led to happen. It's all, you know, you didn't stop this. And I think everyone on the internet was obviously having a stressful time. Mm-hmm. And when <laughs> the world and life in general gets stressful, we obviously need an outlet to express our frustrations. And Social media is right at our fingertips, and that's we end up being on the other end of that sometimes. So I don't take it as personally um, as I used to, but it's no. still challenging when <laughs> we're just more or less a fan page posting fun content for everybody to enjoy, pop culture content, Gilmore Girls content, etc. And some people just take it too seriously. And obviously, obviously the David Sutcliffe post was an example of us you know, knowing part of the story, not all the story, whatever it was. But um, the fact that an actor from Gilmore Girls was at the bri- at the Capitol when that happened, posted some tweets, some very questionable tweets, even more questionable than his older ones that we've discussed before. It's just um, a bit too blaring to not address. So that's why I'm like, it's been a while, but I still think we have to talk about it a little um, in order to clear the air on the fact that he's gross. Um, yeah, and I think um, that wasn't even the worst of it because after we we weren't, by the way, we weren't the only ones posting this. No. Um, I think, like, people did a whole article about it. He was reached for comment and he didn't comment. Uh, e! Entertainment did whatever. Like, we weren't the only ones. Mm-hmm. But I do um, want to point out that after we and other people posted things like that somebody tweeted that David Sutcliffe um being at the Capitol doesn't surprise me considering that according to this girl when she was very very young he reached out to her in her dms knowing that she was 15 16 oh my gosh I forgot all about that yeah and um said and did some really weird stuff so so as if we didn't have enough reason to dislike him Yes. And again, um, this girl posts screenshots and apparently has been contacted by people trying to get more of the story from her, Mm -hmm. Uh, like actual journalists, not just podcasters. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We didn't touch that one because it's not in our purview. 
Um, and she even says the reason she's coming forward now is because she wants um, other people to steer clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, she says, I was a naive kid with no concept of older men and grooming. I'm so thankful I didn't end up meeting up with him because that was a plan, apparently. I've looked back at some of his Tumblr posts from 2011 and WTF red flags. So, yeah, he's posted some really weird stuff. Yes. Um, but the screenshots that she has from him, uh, he's very um, sexually aggressive, shall we say. Yeah, I, I, I honestly didn't read all of them because I read the first few and I'm like, this is disturbing. And I yeah. didn't really want the rest of my day to be tainted by that. Yeah, so she was 17, he was 41. Great. And he was um, apparently trying to get her to meet up with him when she was on a trip to California. Yeah, that's like really not okay. By the way, just by the way, David Sutcliffe is Canadian. (laughs) How did I not know that? So David Sutcliffe was born in Saskatchewan and went to school at the University of Toronto. So literally like five minutes away from where I am right now. (laughs) Great. And a bunch of people pointed this out to him when he was talking about being at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And his response was that he was born in Canada, but his grandparents are American and his great, great, whatever grandfather fought in the Revolutionary War. And his heart bleeds red, white and blue. OK, cool. Just say you're a Republican and go like. But also Canada apologizes. <laughs> Yeah, like we do, we apologize. We also don't take credit for that. Like that's but not. I wouldn't want him here either. So. Yeah. So like you know, I'm I'm gonna assume it's more like a whoever smelt it dealt it kind of thing. So like. Lovely. He can just the U.S. can just keep him. You know, we don't that's, want him back. That's true. Um, but yeah, not not a role model, guys. <laughs> No, and on the topic of role models and such, um, I'd also like to point out that I think it's a it's a happy coincidence that um, the actor of a character we dislike turned out to be trash in real life. Um, I think the situation and or approach might be different when um, like a widely beloved character star, etc., is accused of vile acts of disgustingness shall we say um and i'd also just like to address again for a moment um the internet's current perception internet and our culture at large pretty much at this point um our perception of cancel culture shall we call it i don't even like that term because it's it's just very misrepresented i think when you say cancel culture um, we've addressed it a bit in the past, and we th- I think we said we believe in consequence culture instead of cancel culture. Yeah, definitely. And I'd like to uh, offer um, another edit to that to that sentence and say I don't even really believe in consequence culture. I believe in accountability. Like I don't. Th- I think there's a difference between being accountable for garbage you've done and being quote-unquote canceled because I'm still not really clear on what that means because I think people just conflate accountability with cancel culture all the time and no one really knows the difference and I find it just leads to so much misinformation on social media that no one can like see the see they're up from their down if that makes sense yeah 
So I'd like to say again that um, cancel uh, accountability is not cancel culture, and I think cancel culture, if you're still looking for de- for a definition like I am, I think is someone messing up anyone of a pu- you know with a public platform, a public f- uh, a public figure, and you, people the people and culture at large not giving them the chance to make it right. And I think where it gets tricky is that depending on how bad you've how badly you've acted how um or how much you've tried to cover it up over the years I think it reaches a point where do you deserve the chance to make it better and that's where it gets tricky in terms of analysis and discussion so depending on the person and what they've done I think it's hard to say who deserves a second chance because you want you want to say everyone deserves a second chance but when you've done such unspeakable things do you really deserve a second chance so I think, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I don't only think, I I think there's this, there's another component to it as well with cancel mm-hmm. culture. I think, yes, it's a lot of people are very quick to say, well, he did this, therefore he's canceled. Yeah. Um, but then it also becomes, and not giving him a chance, like you said, or she, by the way. Um, but then it also becomes, I think you have to take into account like, is it a first incident? Is yeah. it a pattern of behavior and, like, words? Is it, or is it just because he said something that offended somebody and now he's done? You know what I mean? Like, I think, oh, it's tr- it's tricky. Like you said, nothing is black and white. <laughs> it's very, yeah. very tricky. Um, But I agree. There should be some kind of acknowledgement on the person's part. Mm-hmm and attempt to make it right yes now, that's by the way that sounds for everyone <laughs> i don't care like what your politics are what side of the aisle you're on i don't give a shit about like what your world views are if you said something shitty i will always give you the chance to make it right yeah and then what you do with that chance mm-hmm. is really where i kind of make my decision so let's say if we're if we're using the example of David Sutcliffe, let's say the first incident was that he posted this video, this now deleted video, right? Mm-hmm. And then the second thing he posted, which is what happened, so he gets all this controversy. The second thing he posts is that he was kidding. Okay, not great, but you have to take him for his word that he's kidding. But then literally five hours later, he posts that his only regret is not smoking weed with the rioters. With yeah. By, by the way, he called them patriots. That's true. So that to me is like, you got your chance, bud, and you fucked up. Exactly. And like, did you fuck up because it was intentional or you didn't want to? I don't know. But looking back on everything you've said and done, it's over. Mm-hmm. And that's not me, by the way, canceling him. There's plenty of people that still like him. His actual total number of Twitter followers has gone up inexplicably somehow since this happened. I don't give a shit. But for me, for me personally, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it was always over, let's be honest. <laughs> but it's <I> mean, done. <laughs> like, it's over. And there's no there's no really coming back from that. No, I'm not going to say never coming back from that. Let's say in a couple of years, there's a complete 180. And he's like, I was wrong, whatever. Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, if he were to get quote unquote canceled right now, mm-hmm. would it be wrong? Exactly. And that's like, that's where you have to ask yourself. Like, you like you said, I, I too more or less give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And 
try to, um, like you said, give them a chance, like not me personally give them a chance, but like you, you screwed up. Okay. Now what you do next is crucial. Like what you do and say next, it will make or break you in terms of me and you, like we said. Um, so I would 100% agree that, okay, you posted some really questionable tweets in the past. Um, you then shared footage of yourself at the Capitol when this riot happened. And then instead of saying, you know, I was I was wrong to share, or I was I was wrong to whatever. Clearly, he didn't believe he was wrong at all because then he said, my only regret was not smoking weed with the Patriots. Yeah, the fact. By the way, the fact that he just called them Patriots to begin with, nah, automatic buy. Yeah, like that's your tip off right there. And I think it just, I think it has to do with whether or not the person's actually sorry. Listen, yeah, there's a certain amount of sincerity that you have to kind of gauge from their reaction as well. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, the point, the problem also is, like, finding that happy medium between, like, not being so gullible that everyone that says sorry that you believe it, but also not being so hard that nothing the person can say or do will change your mind. Exactly. And um, it's funny that we're talking about this, by the way, because I just read um, The Witches Are Coming by Lindy West. You know, I've tried to read that like three times in the last year, but it just wasn't happening with the pandemic. I was not in the right headspace for it. Yeah, well, I had to like counterbalance that with what I'm reading now, like a novel. But anyways, I just read that and there's, um, Lindy West is hilarious, by the way. And she's also, yeah, she's the writer, creator of the show Shrill. Um, She's a comedian. She's an author. You know, she's she's amazing. But she puts things into perspective in a way that I find is really refreshing. Mm-hmm. And she has this whole chapter about exactly what we're talking about right now, that it's really uncomfortable sometimes when you like a person to admit that they fucked up. Exactly. <laughs> right? It's, it's so uncomfortable she, because it's like, especially if it's someone who maybe you worshipped as a as a, you know, young person or as a even yeah. as you worshipped when you got older, like it requires you as a person to acknowledge that a nobody's perfect and b like they fucked up and I have to as a fan of this person I have to live with that yeah but also it's just it's yeah it's it's also she I find she captures the internal struggle really well as well Mm -hmm. because she's she's like there's growing for you to do as a human being too like your reaction when somebody you love is caught up in this shit is also really telling about who you are as a person. Yeah. So she used the example of um, Chip and Joanna Gaines. I don't know if you know who they are. I don't. So Chip and Joanna Gaines are this, like, power couple (laughs) that uh, renovates houses on HGTV. Oh, I remember that story. Yeah. So the, the story, the controversy surrounding them was, so they were this really fun couple. Like, everyone really loved them. They had great chemistry online, on the show on air, I should say, and everyone loved the designs, and it was, like, this fun little hour show to escape into, and then the thing happened, (laughs) and the thing was that this pastor from a church in Texas, where they go, called them his very good friends, Mm -hmm. and it was later uncovered that this pastor is a big proponent of conversion therapy. Yeah, which if you've read up on conversion therapy or you know anything about conversion therapy or seen um, interviews of people that have gone through it, 
no, like it's just it's hard to watch. It's it's really hard to hear the things that these people have been put through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like, what does the world do in response to this, right? Because this is a couple that they everybody really loved, universally loved, for all intents and purposes, doing really good things like renovating people's homes and like bringing some joy to their lives. And then it's like you get hit with this accusation, and so for me, it's. It was really all about what was their reaction going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, this is me giving you the chance to say, okay, well, let's not jump to conclusions. What do they have to say, right? Yeah. And really, the the, the only thing you can say in this scenario is like, unless you do, but you, we do not condone conversion therapy. We, no, no, no. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. say something, make it better. And instead, the response was, we love all people leave us alone (laughs) yeah like which doesn't really like i think in a perfect world that would be enough but it's not when you just say leave us alone like that's not going to end the controversy well here's the thing yeah that has to be so you as a person then as a fan of these people regardless of who these people are have to say to yourself is that enough yeah like is it enough to make me not want to watch the show anymore is it enough to say like they're quote-unquote canceled or you know do I think they're terrible people maybe not but you can you can acknowledge that they're not terrible people while also saying that's a fucked up thing to 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 say or endorse or whatever it is you know what I mean Yeah, exactly You, you can say oh shit I really wish he hadn't said that you know what I mean yes and if I may offer another example before we move on to our, you know, actual Gilmore Girls content. You know, you guys love this, yeah, don't you? The actual, the actual purpose of the podcast? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I like, for me, especially in the last year when this is, when, you know, quote unquote, cancel culture has been thriving, I guess. I yeah, think, yeah. Um, like I said before, it comes down to whether or not the person is really sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Cough, Justin Timberlake, cough. Um, I don't think he's really sorry. Don't get me started. <laughs> that's a whole other discussion but um in terms of for me as a like a fan or as a person who likes a public figure who's said or done problematic things um Lana Del Rey comes to mind in the last year and I've and I've really I'm not gonna say you know tore up posters or like deleted all of her music from my music library like I was maybe only a moderate fan of hers at best before um but I think the comments she made about her own artistry and music right before the Black Lives Matter movement broke out last summer. And she just didn't ever, I'm not going to say didn't pledge support, but she didn't like show any real support for it. And like just kind of went, went from this like performative aesthetic of hers of like, you know, this fifties Americana pop dark singer-ish person and then all of a sudden was this republican white girl who dated a cop who's dating a cop and it kind of forced her fan base to take a step back and realize like um i'm pretty sure she was always the white girl republican cosplaying as the emo dream pop girl this whole time and it kind of forced at least for me i'm like i said i'm not a i'm not a huge fan of hers and certainly i'm, I'm not now but she really didn't ever offer an apology or offer, you know, an ex- offer more words on what she was trying to say. Like, she just basically said that um, 
her she's been held back in the industry because like she's a woman and other like the the boundaries she pushes in her music are just as important as like those of women of color and was basically saying like I'm just as important as them and it kind of came across as like all lives matter ish if you want to if you if you will so it didn't didn't sit well with me and she just never like I said (laughs) never tried to make it better so to me I don't think she was sorry or regretted saying those things and that does not bode well with me and I (laughs) just don't enjoy her as much as I used to because but see, that's the thing. You you said it right there. It doesn't bode well with me. Me with me with me personally. Like I, if you still like Lana Del Rey, go right ahead. Like for example, I've offered to review her new album coming out in March for Pop Matters, a site where I review music because I want to listen to her new music in the context of everything that's happened and everything she said and think like, hey, does this person? deserve better or does she need to like do better you know um, by the way it's okay to admit that people need to do better also exactly like, i'm sure there have been many occasions where you guys have been listening and thinking like we need to do better i've acknowledged in my life that mm, maybe sometimes i also need to do better you know what mm-hmm. i mean that doesn't mean you know wanting to grow and wanting to to learn and educate yourself it, it's a good thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like wanting, admitting that you need to do better is not saying you're a terrible person. And I feel like that's what a lot of people see it as, you know, like when I say, oh, this person really needs to do better. I'm kind of disappointed. It's automatically taken as an attack when really we should all want to do better. Right. Exactly. Like, just cause I think, <laughs> just cause I personally think like Lana Del Rey should do better. Like doesn't mean that I don't still enjoy some of her older music. Like it's still it's still a bit tainted for me because I'm like, ugh, like she screwed it all up by opening her mouth. But at the yeah. same time, like I still think you should at least give people the the opportunity to make it right. And if they don't, then that's when then it's telling what you do next and what they do next. I think when people, um, when public figures mess up in public. It gives us it gives us the fans a chance to look at our own ugly parts in the mirror and think like, hey, does this bring up a bad part a bad side of me? Do I have to work on this? Like, do I have to look do I have to work on my own ugly parts? Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. And with that, I think we should move on. <laughs> putting a button in it. <laughs> Unless you had anything else to say. No, I mean I think it's a conversation that we're probably going to come back to more and more um, as things get crazier. Yes. I think I think a lot of the reason why uh, cancel culture has been rampant this past year is because a lot of people have diff- more time to reflect on things, mm-hmm. um, you know, and by the way, more time to put their foot in their mouth. <laughs> um, exactly. But, you know, like you said, a lot of important issues have come up during this pandemic. And I think people in general are starting to evaluate where their priorities are. Yeah. And it's OK to say I'm not a supporter of this person anymore because their values don't line up with mine mm-hmm, exactly um, that that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you're canceling them okay no and like and that doesn't have to be a mark against anybody it's just like this oh. person said some really inexcusable things and didn't try to make it better and that doesn't sit well with me personally so i don't i don't choose to have them on my social media feed and that's not doesn't have to be a bad thing yep so that's it we're, we're done we're done that's that on that don't say anymore. <laughs> I think uh, I think we we did a really good job on that. 
So that was and our intro only- topic. Are you guys ready for the actual episode? Yeah, I was about to say, it's only 30 minutes into the fucking podcast. <laughs> we suck. Season what? four, episode one. <laughs> What's it called, Jeffrey? It's called Ballrooms and Biscotti. You have a paper in front of you, don't you? I do, but I actually knew the knew the name before I oh, pressed play. Oh, you're shit. Okay, well, that's a lie. <laughs> Uh, so season four, we're kicking off season four. Um, remember with the season finale of season three, we were like, oh, everything's kind of up in the air. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be able, are the writers going to be able to maintain this perfect Lorelai Rory relationship while Rory and Rory, while Rory and Rory, while Lorelai and Lori, oh, Jesus. Take a breath. Oh, okay. <laughs> while Lorelai and Rory are so far away. Um, and I think the opening of season four brings back that cute banter that we love, mm-hmm. but also we're like, oh, is it going to be taken away from us? Right. Yes. Have I mentioned like a 3000 times, right? Yeah. And it's funny because Mike also said, Mike Desenzo, who we interviewed two weeks ago, that you should really go check out the uh, podcast episode on that. Mike also said season four was his favorite episode. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> favorite season. 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 See what you did to me with your cancel culture? <laughs> she sells seashells by the seashore. <laughs> I was super eloquent during cancel culture, and now I'm twisting everything around. Yeah, we wasted it. <laughs> um, it's but over. I do... <laughs> I do have to say... Season four is my favorite, but episode one is my least favorite episode. Really? Why is that? This episode gives me anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it because Rory wrote the date down wrong and she has to do all this shit in one day? Okay, so there's that, but also everyone's fucking annoying in this episode. Everyone. Yeah, everyone is really annoying in this episode. <laughs> so um, my first issue, above all... I have a lot of issues with this episode. (laughs) Um, Is how is it that A, they had enough money, spending money to buy souvenirs for people they aren't really close with, um, Mm -hmm. but B, couldn't remember slash find something good enough to buy Luke? Like, I'm sorry, they bought such random shit for everybody in Stars Hollow, but you couldn't buy something for Luke. Yeah, so I also took issue with this. I literally wrote down in my notebook, um, they got fucking Andrew a gift, but not Luke. Right? Like, I'm sorry, how present is Andrew in their everyday life? Yeah. Like, and by the way, they got Andrew a Picasso t-shirt. Um, <laughs> like, bro, it's a freaking trip to Europe. Just pick him up some fucking wooden spoons from Italy. Like, just to say that you thought of him. I can't believe you didn't think of him. And even then, like, how, I, like, again, it's a television show. I know. Take a breath. But, um, <laughs> But you really, they really had enough spending money to buy something for everyone in Stars Hall? Like, no. I, by the way, I was also more upset by the fact that they didn't buy Kirk anything. <laughs> fucking, they bought Andrew, who we see maybe a handful of times, and Pete, who we see fucking once during the Lorelai's uh, birthday episode. But mm-hmm. they didn't buy Kirk a gift. Nope. I was really upset by that. Yeah, I know. But yeah, I don't know. The whole logistic I know, I know it's a show, but the logistics the logistics of it don't make sense. Like you're backpacking through Europe, but you literally filled two entire backpacks with gifts. I'd also like to say, and I thought this the very first time I watched season four, um, mm-hmm. I don't think that 
going from end of season three into season four, I don't think that Lorelai and Rory are the kind of people who would survive a backpacking trip in one piece. I think they're way too oh, high. Yeah, yeah I think they're way too high maintenance. Yeah. And Lorelai even says when they get home from her trip, she's like, I'm glad I did the hostel thing in my 30s instead of my 20s when I thought it was exotic or whatever the fuck she thought it was. Mm. Um, I don't know what kind of hostels they were staying at, but when I stayed in hostels, it was lovely. Um, (laughs) But all that to say, yeah, they're both way too high maintenance to be um, backpacking anywhere. I wouldn't trust them to backpack to their kitchen. That also. But do you make out with your sock drawer? Uh, no, but I am very fond of my socks, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, That's true, um, I forgot about that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I love my socks. Uh, I have very nice socks. Uh, <laughs> anyone who knows me knows I'm a sock aficionado. I did, I forgot all about that. So you've been away for too long, I forgot. I know. And also I used to come over and take off my shoes so you would see my socks. Literally. <laughs> I know, but I always had fun socks. Also, I don't understand, side note, I don't understand, I live alone, but I keep losing socks interesting what the fuck but anyways (laughs) that's something different entirely um yeah so i was also very upset and confused by the gift um problem that they had but again it's a show we know fuck off (sighs) um let's talk about suki and jackson okay because jackson is also the fucking worst in this episode (laughs) okay Jeffrey is not feeling well, guys. <laughs> <laughs> See, you thought, oh, it's season four. Jeffrey loves season four. I do, but not episode one. Episode one gives me anxiety. I'm very stressed right now. Okay, well, we've created a monster. Uh, <laughs> we should just end this now and come back for season t- episode two. <laughs> no, okay. I w- the reason I want to talk about Suki and Jackson is because I find the whole dynamic in this episode very weird. Uh-huh. And... We've said it before that we think they're the most trash couple of the show. Mm-hmm. This is also fucking weird. So Jackson doesn't want to know the sex of the baby, but Suki found out. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, where do you stand on this issue? In terms of knowing the sex of a, yeah. of a baby? Would you want to know the sex of your child? Um, your imaginary child? My imaginary child with, with Milo? Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it would have to depend on the situation. And also, I do believe that if you, you that if you're gonna know or not know, you have to be together on it. Like you can't one can't not know and the other can know. Like that doesn't no. That's just the that is just emblematic of Suki and Jackson's ridiculous communication problem. Yeah. So I think um, I agree with you. I think there has to be some consensus because if not, I think it. <sighs> Oh, it goes off the rails really quick <laughs> if one person knows and the other one doesn't. You always have to be careful around your spouse then, you mm-hmm. know? Which, sure. by the way, she is because she has a whole shed full of the shit and, like, he can't know anything. By the <laughs> way, she's having a boy, so she, naturally, in the good old days, gendered colors, everything is blue, right? Can I offer, actually, um, something about that um, mm-hmm. in terms of the, gen- the gendered colors of uh, blue and pink? As it turns out, it was only it's only since been like the 80s that gendered toys have been a, more or less a thing. Um, mm-hmm. But because in the 50s, since Jackson says, welcome 1954, like grow up. Um, <laughs> actually, in the 50s and before I can I could and I could be wrong. It, I wasn't alive then. But um, pink was actually more 
common with ba- with boy babies and it was like gen- like the gendered colors of pink and blue wasn't as strong a convention before like 1980s so i've read that i know mm-hmm. um i thought it was a little bit earlier but yes i knew that <laughs> i i don't remember where i read it it might have been in class in university mm-hmm. but anyway the, the the whole concept of gendered colors really came about with like mass production of toys yeah exactly uh, uh, like marketing to young kids. So I knew that, but I should really get some references. <laughs> but in any case, um, I, I find the whole concept of Jackson not wanting to go into the delivery room with Suki, like, so infuriating. <laughs> oh, yes, 100%. Uh, on both their parts. So, like, you're married now and you're about to have a baby. Grow the fuck up. Exactly. Like, it's Suki's not like, 1954. And he's like... <laughs> yeah, but Suki's like, I don't even let him see me shave my legs. I'm like, okay, fair enough, but this is not that. You're literally giving birth to his child. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I don't, like, and no offense to anybody who's listening who might be in, in a marriage that's like that, but to me, um, why would you be not be comfortable with someone especially who you're married to, to not shave in front of them. Like, depending, okay, depending on what you're shaving, but, like, everyday <laughs> shaving, like, would you, mm, like, isn't that something you would be comfortable enough with the person to do? Listen, I think that also has, like, societal, that's also a societal issue because women have been, I was going to say bread, but they're not dogs. Women have been um, taught that their bodies are gross. Yes. And that any body hair on them is gross. Mm-hmm. And that would have been more so the case in the early 2000s before feminists were woke. Um, <laughs> but no, for real. And um, so like that, I can that I can kind of say, oh, whatever. Like it's a product of its time uh, in the writing. But the fact that you don't want to be there for the birth of your child. <laughs> grow the fuck up. I mean, wasn't there, like, a period of time during, like, second wave feminism in the 60s where, like, women didn't shave their armpits and just kind of didn't wear, like, burn their bras and wasn't that a whole thing? Yeah, but it was more to say, like, to hell with a man, whereas this this third third wave of feminism is more like, you be comfortable with you. Yeah. So, I don't know, but I just think it's so immature of a married couple to be like, no, he's not coming in the delivery room. It's icky, no! Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> Yes. And it's also just gross, to, in in my opinion, that he says, if it was good enough for Rick and what is if it was good enough for Rick and Dick, it's good enough for me. Like, okay, are you Ricky Ricardo? Oh, are you Dick Van Dyke? Like, you're not, and it's also not oh, 1954. Oh, both wife beaters, right? Like, yes. All serial cheaters and wife beaters. So really, shouldn't be your role models, Jackson. I mean, was Dick Van Dyke problematic? Um. I should check my sources again. <laughs> I know Ricky Ricardo was. Yes, but Ricky Ricardo, one hundred percent. We'll get back to you with a legal note at the end of this, but like Sunny Hostin in the View. Um, <laughs> but like, whatever. You know, it was different times then. You fucking dick. <sighs> Anyways, it, it it was just one of the. I was like, oh, that's why I fucking hate you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So, uh, cleared up a lot of things for me, I have to say. Season season four, beginning of season four. Uh, moving on. Um, 
So let's, do you want to talk about Luke first or do you want to talk about Rory, Lorelai, Emily first? So I actually think that Luke's part in this episode is more, is not really important. Like he says, again, we see so little of actual action on screen between him and Nicole that it's like, we got married, but we're getting divorced. It's like, okay, I'm supposed to care why? Because you didn't, you know, like to me, you didn't give me anything. You just gave me a, a line of dialogue. Yeah. So here's the thing. I don't think this episode is important in terms of Luke's character development. I think it's really telling when you look at it from Lorelai's point of view. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, when they're walking through the town square, her and Rory going to deliver gifts, um, she says to Rory, like, oh, I wonder if Luke actually went on that cruise. And yeah. I was like, why me? He said he was going. She's like, oh, I don't know, because he has to park and blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, doing her typical Lorelai feel. And then when he tells her that he proposed, she said, yes, they got married and now they're getting a divorce. Why does she play the victim? Like it's something happening to her? Yes, I've picked up on that too. And this is another reason why episode one pushes me over the edge because Lorelai's, like I say, at her peak of being annoying because, you know, there's a lot more to come, as we all know. Um, but Lorelai's so annoying in this episode, and I'm it's and it's funny that I say that because as I was flipping through my notebook, ready to start a brand new section for season four, I realized I've written down the sentence Lorelai is really annoying in this episode several times, probably too many times. And isn't it ironic? And I'm just picking up on this now as, as we've been discussing that Lorelai makes makes Luke's relationship all about her. Meanwhile, Emily makes Rory and Lorelai's last evening together before she goes off to Yale all about Emily. Like wonder mother, where like that daughter. comes from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like mother, like daughter. They're the same. They're the same person. Yes. Just yeah. so, so different that I, on the other Yeah. So that I agree with you. It, it didn't do much in terms of moving the plot along for Luke, although we are a little bit like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and we know what the fallout is going to be, but as of season, oh, God damn it! as of episode one, we don't know what the fallout is going to be. Mm-hmm. We just think he did something stupid and they're going to get divorced and that's it, you know? Um, but yeah, in terms of how Lorelai reacts to Luke telling her these things, I think it's really telling because she's always had this problem with inserting herself into Luke's life no matter what. I'm not just talking love life. I'm mm-hmm. talking with everything. Yeah. <laughs> you need bigger apartment you need to paint the diner you need to let rachel know you love her you need like you know what i mean like fuck off um whereas the minute somebody butts into lorelei's life she's like get out it's so true so um i think more so than her immaturity in this episode her hypocrisy also comes out um so yeah like listen there's gonna be more Mm -hmm. recall they get into this big blowout and this season um but yeah it's just it's i was just like go away (laughs) you also i just looked it up dick van dyke did not beat his wife i'm very sorry i was gonna say i'm pretty sure dick van dyke has a clean more or less a clean state (laughs) who am i thinking of there's a lot from that era so but this person in particular that i'm thinking of it'll come to me and i'll text you at 3 a.m tonight (laughs) um yeah so that was my take on that whole thing. Of course, you know, we know what's going to happen with Luke. At this point, 
not really important because I think we're still really hyper-focused on what's happening with Rory going off to college the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it also annoyed me that Lorelai was like, oh my God, I'm feeling faint. Like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that was that. I mean, um, as a fellow drama queen, I appreciate the melodramatics, but bitch, know your moment. Yeah, that was not a good moment to pick. Um, <laughs> learn from Jeffrey, please. Uh, I want to talk about Rory and this thing with Taylor. I was going to say, are we going to talk about the ice cream queen? Okay, because that also drove me nutso in this episode. Honestly, I think if, because, again, I I think I've made clear by now that this episode in general bothers me. But Mm -hmm. I think if there had been less annoyances elsewhere, the plot line between uh, Rory and Taylor would have been aggravating, but it wouldn't have been as aggravating if everyone else hadn't been on my nerves. So I actually yeah. enjoyed I actually enjoyed the reaction that this brings about in Rory. Yeah, so I think that's what I wrote also. I was like, for the first time, I think we're actually um, seeing Rory stand up for herself. Mm-hmm. And I really like it. <laughs> um, you know, it's... <sighs> Rory's always been a pushover. We've said that before. We've said that time and time again. Mm-hmm. And I think past Rory would have been like, oh, it's one day, the town, you know, blah. no, <laughs> mm-hmm. no. And whether that's because, you know, she screwed up so royally with the with the date and she's ran out of time and it kind of forced her hand a little bit or because she's like or because she's thinking, you know what, I am in college now. I have to set some boundaries. You didn't even ask. If she wanted to be the fucking ice cream queen. So I think there's different layers to this. And that's why I enjoy it. Because mm-hmm. obviously Rory is, an, is has been enough of a pushover in her life that Taylor knew knows her well enough to just not ask and to just assume that she's exactly. going to do it. Because Rory's the goody-goody who does everything, especially for charity, as she pointed out. Yeah. Um, again, peak Taylor, peak Taylor Dosey bullshit. Like, of course, you have to still ask, dumbass. Um, but I also think the reaction that Rory has is important because she's like, later she says, she says to Laura, like, that Taylor thing is still bugging me, blah, blah, blah. And she's thinking like, well, maybe I have changed. Like, maybe I don't give, give enough of myself to the town, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, especially now, five years after I first watched Gilmore Girls, like, bitch, doesn't matter that it's not that deep, first of all. And then she also it's says scary. later when she's when she stands up on the stage to say like I I humiliate I humiliate myself at least six times a year for this town, it's and she true, says though. she says just because I'm going to Yale doesn't mean things are going to change. And now as I wrote in my notes, okay, but so what if they did? Like so what if they did change? Like you're growing up, and I think in the moment, and I'm I think me five years ago would never have had this insight, but um it's okay to change. It's okay to grow. It's okay to outgrow people, places, things, not saying you're going to hate your hometown in a year, but like, no. it's okay. It's okay to broaden your horizons. But you listen, you're, 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 yes, you're going to college. Things are going to change. You're probably not going to want to be, you're probably not going to want to play Esther in the freaking perm carnival. Okay. <laughs> By the way, who knew Stars Hollow had a perm carnival? But anyways. That's <laughs> are we surprised? Are we surprised? I mean, I'm not surprised, but, like, whatever. So I am a little bit surprised. I'm not going to lie. But, 
you know, like, yes, you're right. You're going to want to change. Probably you're not going to, you think you're going to be a college student coming back every weekend to do some ridiculous fucking ice cream queen video store uh, censorship person, uh, fucking pilgrim uh, making the manger. No. And I think, I think this is, I also enjoy this because it's the beginning of an interesting um, part of Rory's character that we get to see start to grow over the course of season four. And we're going to get into it in future episodes because there's a lot of other elements and layers to it that I enjoy. But it's the, this is the first time she's realizing that like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I'm going away to college. Like things are changing. Growth is happening. And like, Growth is painful and traumatic. Like, becoming an adult is traumatic. Do not get me wrong. But, like, it's interesting to see a goody two-shoes like Rory go through that. And, how, like, I, I relate to it in, in a different way. And we'll get into that down the line. But I think it's interesting how Rory reacts to it in season four. Season five is a different story. But... Yeah. Um, we're... <laughs> I won't talk about season five right now, <laughs> but yeah, no, no. Cause if you get me started, I won't stop, but yes, I agree. Um, I agree with you. It's not, it's, it is traumatic to be an adult, like to grow into an adult. Don't become an, I thought you were going to say, don't be an adult. Oh, well. they, don't, they don't really have a choice. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree with you. It's not, it's not pleasant. Um, I mean, it can be, but for the most part, it isn't. <laughs> It wasn't for me, at least. I don't know about you, but it wasn't but for I, me. I think in general, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to do. There's a lot that you, there's a lot of growing up, like we said, and it's not always pleasant. Um, and that, that feeling that she, that uncomfortableness that she feels later on where she's like, I can't stop thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I don't think my issue with, with um seasons five and six and whatever is that I don't think that feeling ever really goes away for her because I don't think she's ever we've said it before a lot of a lot of people on the show would benefit from therapy (laughs) but I don't think she's ever learned that um what we said that it's uncomfortable to grow and that you can grow you know so I think all throughout her new adult young adult life she's been struggling with that and no one ever told her like yeah it's normal you know Mm -hmm. um Partly because I think they also didn't know about it, um, because we don't talk about things. But yeah, it's just it's it's hard. <laughs> and we're gonna put a pin in that because there's yeah, so much more sure. to talk about as the as season four goes on. For sure. Um, yeah, because this is really the first season. I will say more generally, it's the first season that Rory's not like where her main storyline is not boys. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Um, so we get to see a little bit more from her in terms of, um, like her really, not her with a boyfriend, not her struggling to talk to Jess, um, not her being controlled by Dean, like really just her living her life. Um, and that comes with its own set of stuff, you know, like, yes, there's relationship problems. There's also you relationship problems. Mm -hmm. Um, so it comes with its own set of challenges that we're going to we're going to see all throughout this season. And I think that's why a lot of people identify with this season as well. Um, I'd, also like to, I'd also like to say on the topic of adulthood being traumatic, screwing up your first, remembering when your first day of college is, is like a perfect representation of being an adult. Yeah, that, and it also sets the tone for the whole freaking school year, I feel like with Rory, yeah. right? <laughs> um, like she's always really used to being 
on top of her stuff. Even Lorelai is like, you wrote the date down? Like, how could you write the date down wrong? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, because shit happens, like, yeah. you're not always perfect. Um, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Anyways, it's, it's just, um, it's going to be nice to see Rory go through that transitional period um, that comes with its own set of ups and downs that really nobody can help you through unless you've been through it. And, um, you know, there's going to be way more to talk about on that front for sure. <laughs> um, shall we get into Emily? Yes. So that's that also, Betty? that's also part of what stresses me out about this episode. Yeah. Um, just because I'm not going to say she's the worst cause she's had worse moments, but mm, yeah. I don't think this is Emily's worst moment. Shall we say, you know, buying a boat no, to deal with our... Was it a boat? A plane? Was it a plane? It was a plane. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. So she bought something legi- like ridiculously big and large. <laughs> um, and this just drives me insane, though, because get over yourself, first of all, and also holding your granddaughter hostage? Literally. Like, I... Like, uh, I have no I have more, I have no more words left to say. No more tears oh, left to you cry. Have <laughs> oh, we do. Um it's just it's so aggravating though cuz the moment that she first suggests to, like offers more chicken or whatever they're eating to Rory and she's like, "Well, I'm I'm full." And she's like, "No, well, no, just take some and nibble at it and please put the souffle in the oven cuz we're going to have dessert like Europeans and blah blah blah." And you realize right then and there that she is doing this on purpose because she knows that Lorelai is waiting at home for their own evening. And she's like, well, this is my night and it has to be here or nowhere. Yeah. I don't. So part of me is really frustrated with this whole thing because yes, absolutely. Like you said, she really, it's really just to take the pleasure away from uh, from Lorelai. And you're using your granddaughter as a pawn basically, you know? Um, And then the other part is just like, I don't think originally she had set out to do that. But then when she saw that Lorelai didn't show up. She's like, she's running errands. Lorelai's running errands. But she'll be, she'll try to be here next week. Like you can, you know, right then and there that she's ticked. She's ticked off. For sure. And I mean, oh, she's just a bitter, bitter lady in this episode. It's just so hard to watch for real. Um, If. Because you're like, on the one hand, you feel for her because you know, like, Lorelai would be as petty as she would. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like, you know, it's tit for tat. You guys give as good as you get. But on the other hand, it's like, you know when they say, like, divorced parents should never use their children as pawns? Yeah. That's what I feel like I'm watching right now. They're both using poor Rory. To exactly. Get and I'm like, she just wants to go to college, you guys. Yeah. She just wants to stop watching the ballroom competition. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think she was terrible in this episode, and it was really just a way to get back at Lorelai. Um, instead of, like, they both have that problem, though, right? Instead of just calling each other and talking like adults and communicating, we all just, they just, they do this. They do passive-aggressive shit. Yeah. And, um, but they're two peas in the pod, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I think, I'm not going to say that Lorelai would be someone who would collect decades worth of ballroom dance competitions recorded on VHS. But at the same time, I would think that recording something as random as ballroom 
dance competitions would be something that Lorelai would do. So, so listen, I think I I also like this episode because it showed just how similar Emily and Lorelai were, not just in the ways that they communicate or don't communicate, I should say, mm-hmm. but also because Lorelai wants to do um, a Godfather marathon, right, yeah. with with Rory, mm-hmm. and um, they've seen the Godfather before they're they're fans of it you know what I mean so it's just like this is another thing that so the genres might not be the same in terms of what Emily and Laura like yeah but they both have obsessions right exactly Emily Emily's been taping this shit apparently since 1979 <laughs> did they even have what what record on what like Betamax no Betamax was not 79 but like did they even have VCRs in 1979 I don't really no but you get the impression that she was rich, so she probably had everything. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, it's it's that obsessive personality. Yeah. Um, that being able to throw yourself into your hobbies and watch hours and hours of a show or something that you like, you know, that's that's an, another way in which you guys are similar. <laughs> yeah, you can see where it comes from in that moment. Like, they like you said, they each have obsessions. Exactly. So um, you're not um, you're not as different from your mother as you think, Lorelai and Emily. You're not as different from your daughter as you think. I have another concern about the dinner scene. <laughs> um, did Richard and Emily really think that Lorelai and Rory were going to look up slash crash with their bougie friends in Europe? Okay, so that I also wrote this down. <laughs> People that want you to visit other people when you're on vacation <laughs> are the worst kinds of people. Has that ever happened to you? Yes, 100%. <laughs> so every time we go to Greece, every time, whatever. The t- I remember the one time we went to Greece where it was for my cousin's wedding. Um, we were staying one day, one day in Athens. And my grandmother insisted, my paternal grandmother, so I went with my maternal, um, my maternal family for mm-hmm. my cousin on my mom's side wedding. And my paternal grandmother was like, oh, you have to go see your uncle, her brother, who lives in Athens. And I'm like, we are spending one day in Athens. I'm not going to see him. <laughs> and she's like, but you must. They already know you're in Greece. I'm like, how? <laughs> no. Because I told them, I'm like, why? (laughs) So, like, you you feel fucking obligated. I don't want to spend time with these people. Oh, God. It's so... It's terrible. And then on the flip side of that, while we were on that trip in Greece, um, you know, my mom hadn't been back to her, her maternal village for so long that there were people that she wanted to see, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to cut my trip short to go see your father's side of the family. My my parents have been divorced for over 25 years, by the way. Mm-hmm. Why would my mother do that? <laughs> <laughs> but my grandmother's just like, yep, that's what you got to do. We didn't oh, go, dear. by the way, and she was very upset. She Good. She very well, upset. You know what? Based on the stories you were telling me right before we pressed record about this grandmother, um, she deserves it. Yeah, she was really upset, and honestly, I really didn't care. So, <laughs> fuck it. But yeah, that's the worst. Like, just in general, you want me to take time out of my vacation to go see your friends? And really, like, what did they want them to do? Oh, hi. 
Hello, Gundersons. I've never met you before. Can I, can I crash with you? Like, fuck off! <laughs> especially since, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, especially since they should know that Lorelai and Rory are not those kind of people. Like, they would not ever do that. That's not their personality. Oh, my God. But also, then when he says, we must have given you 15 names. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me put my plans aside to go visit 15 different fucking friends of yours. <laughs> Richard then says, why are we friends with these people? It's a I'm good like, question. Good question. Why are you friends with these people and making me go visit them? <laughs> oh, my God. That was honestly so frustrating to me because I've been in that position. And I'm like, fuck that. See, isn't episode one aggravating? Yeah, it is aggravating. <laughs> um, but yeah, my grandmother still brings up the fact that we didn't go see him. Oh, boo-hoo. And this happened in 2014, just after <laughs> So look at your calendars right now and tell me what year it is and tell me how long my grandmother's been holding a grudge. <laughs> oh, well, based on, again, other stories I've heard, she can hold a grudge for a very long time. Forever and never. <laughs> but yeah, um, don't don't make your relatives go see people that apparently you don't even like. Okay? Yeah, please don't. Just don't, don't do it. They're going to resent you forever. <laughs> As they should, by the way. Um, yeah, that whole thing was ridiculous. Um, is there anything else to talk about? I think we covered everything. Pretty much everything. I think the one other part of this episode that I do enjoy is just the last scene between uh, Lorelai and Rory sitting on the couch or laying on the couch in Emily's TV room, which I'm pretty sure we only see this one time, right? Their TV yeah, room. Yeah, the only time. And it looks very comfortable. Well, we and call I find. It a TV room? By the way, we call it a TV room. Like, that's normal to us. They call it a den. Same, yeah, same kind of thing. I mean, I'm, I'm, my cousins used to call their TV room the den. My mom my mom still uses that term sometimes. I'm like, that's not what we call it. Bougie <laughs> <laughs> Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see, I, um, like, just, you know, sometimes I you can just relax, find yourself relaxing on, in someone else's house differently than the way you relax in your own house because it's not yours. <laughs> I find yeah. the way that Lorelai and Rory are lying on the couch in that one shot, like, it's, they're relaxed in a way that they wouldn't be in their own home, because it's just, it's someone else's home, and especially it's, you know, big and rich and, luxur- and luxurious. Yeah, um, but so, I also so they- can't see, I also can't see them, like, under normal circumstances, if Emily wasn't asleep, relaxing the way they were, so I think that's also part of why they look so comfortable. Exactly, exactly, and I just think that... In all of the chaos, so that one day they realized that, oh, crap, I'm leaving, I have to leave tomorrow. Um, they were rushing around so much, and then they just had a moment, especially right before, where, where Lorelai burst into this ridiculous laughing fit. Yeah, she um, was jet-lagged. Give her a break. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, no offense, but that was, I think, out of the entire show so far, up until the point that we've analyzed on this podcast, that laughing fit, I think is some of the worst acting Lorelai, Lauren Graham has done. In really? My, in my opinion. I'm, it just it makes me cringe. I'm like, this is embarrassing to watch. Oh, maybe I should rewatch it. Because I didn't, well, I honestly, I didn't think of it through that lens. I was just like, she's fucking jet lagged and her mother's pissing me off right now. Um, maybe I should go rewatch. Maybe it's also because I get secondhand embarrassment from the fact that like you're laughing about something that nobody else finds funny. But, but. you've never done that? I mean, I have, but not, like, a freaking spontaneous laughing fit that goes on for, like, a minute. Mm. Oh, I've done that so hard. And I do it all the time. <laughs> okay, well. 
Because now you're I'm, making me feel like shit. I mean, I've probably done it, but maybe I don't even. I don't even. I know. remember coming back from Italy. No, coming back from coming back from Greece when I went alone with a friend. Mm-hmm. And just because we were also jet lagged, um, my brother and his then girlfriend, now wife, were like, okay, so how was it? Like, because we went to Santorini and we had never been. Um, and I was like, oh my God, the funniest thing happened when we were there. And I was trying to relay this story of how the guy on like the bus had said, it still makes me laugh to this day, so maybe I shouldn't say it. Um, but anyways, like I was so jet lagged, so tired, and it was so funny in my mind that I got into one of these fits where like I couldn't even explain why the fuck I was laughing. <laughs> and my brother and my sister-in-law were like literally looking at me like, what the fuck? And you know, I do one of those laughs. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Um, but I get, when I, when I get a really severe laughing fit, I can't breathe. Oh, I've heard that. That's happened before on air. No, but like worse than what you're thinking. <laughs> like where it becomes uncomfortable cause I make no sound. Oh my God. <laughs> and I start clapping like a rid- ridiculous seal. Okay. Maybe I haven't seen that then. Yeah, no. So it's really bad. So <laughs> I've been there more than once. Um, so that's why maybe I didn't find it as annoying as you. Okay, but also, the, the, I'm sure the story you were telling was funny, but you just you were so tired and jet lagged that you couldn't relay the details of the story. So you you yourself knew why it was funny, but you couldn't explain it. Lorelai was 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 laughing at something that wasn't funny in any context, but was just so tired that had a laughing fit. So I'm saying it's embarrassing just all of a sudden start laughing at stuff that isn't funny to anybody. I mean, I think to her, though, the fact that the the fact that she kept Rory so late that Richard had to go to bed. Mm -hmm. I think that is a little bit ridiculous. It is. Like, you can't let my daughter here to watch every single ballroom dancing competition since 1979. And my father got so fed up that he went to bed. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I think it's I think it's it's representative of the fact that. Emily was so petty, bitter, and and immature over the fact that Lorelai didn't show up. I think, honestly, that's what she's laughing at. She's like, she can't believe, like, it's so ridiculous to her that her mother kept her daughter there way mm-hmm. past their bedtime, usually, because you, you're made to assume that they always go to bed together, right? Yeah. Like, it's so ridiculous to her, and she's so exhausted that she can't help but burst into la- laughter. I don't know. Whatever. That's my opinion. Which is then, is, it makes sense that Emily falls asleep soon thereafter. <laughs> They're left watching it by themselves. Like, that was a, yeah. that was such a such an Emily Gilmore self-made mess. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. Anyways, this episode, I kind of agree with you, is a mess. Um, and I feel like if I had been watching it in 2003 when it premiered, I would have been, like, so excited to see it. Mm-hmm. And then disappointed that it was that. <laughs> when did you start watching the show? When it was like you watched some of it when it was originally airing, right? Yeah, I watched season three when it was originally airing. So from season three onwards, I watched when it was originally airing. So do you recall watching it in two thousand three? I don't. That's the problem. <laughs> so, but I can. I know myself pretty well. I think I would have been pretty disappointed. It, but then again, I mean, but. Mm, I don't know because <laughs> no because I'm trying to I'm second guessing myself now not not disappointed I would have been 
So we've talked about the anticipation of new episodes of television that we used to have that we don't have anymore. Mm-hmm. So I definitely would have been excited to see the girls again, see the girls. Oh, uh, <laughs> I definitely would have been excited by a season premiere that they're back. Um, you know, that Rory's going off to college. It's, you know, we have more witty banter. We have more Gilmore girls. Um, so I think disappointed is the wrong word. Um, but I li- listen, coming into this recording, I didn't think it was the worst episode of season four. Now I kind of agree with you. <laughs> so you've changed my mind on that. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I would have felt back then. So I wouldn't necessarily describe it as a disappointing season premiere. I think it's just a bunch of stars hollow nonsense and messiness. It's a filler episode. I'm going to say it's like a hybrid episode almost. Like somewhere in between filler and um, meaningful, I guess. Like I'm trying to, like, it's just, you know that it's important to Lorelai and Roy that they have this time together before she goes away and then oh my god I messed up the date so they only have so much time and then Emily gets all jealous which is it's it's jealousy in case we weren't that wasn't clear like she's jealous oh, 100% of, um so I think I'm not gonna say it was a bad season premiere I just think it there was so much going on and everyone was being annoying and it and having seen it several times over now, it's just, it just makes me anxious. <laughs> yeah, that I understand. I mean, when I say filler episode, I don't necessarily mean the plot. Like, the, I just mean that we're waiting for a big event to happen, right? Yeah. We're waiting for her to go off to college. And everything up until this point has kind of been in anticipation of that. So mm-hmm. I think it's not a disappointment, but we're, we know next episode is where things really get good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're waiting for this big life event, kind of. So, yeah. yeah, not necessarily disappointment. Bad choice of words on my part. But, you know, just, I don't know how to describe it. But I think they needed, like, some kind of filler episode, like you said, in order to bridge the gap between the end of season three and her going off to college. Like, I found, I yeah, think I would have been, dis- I think I would have been disappointed more if season four had opened with Rory at Yale and she had been there for so however long and like I think that would have been more jarring than them getting home from Europe and being back on their bullshit and pissing me off no I agree I think if it had opened that way it would have been more disappointing and that's why I think the I think the writers recognize that mm-hmm. so they're like we need to have something in between and it doesn't necessarily have to be something of substance like to move the plot along it just has to be um something that we can say uh, so that we can say she didn't just go off to college right away you know there Mm -hmm. needs to be that transition period uh even for us as viewers i think to like ease the blow yes for sure we'll see obviously we know what happens but we're going to analyze the shit out of it yes pretend like (laughs) we always say pretend we don't know what happens next but it's so hard rewatching because you know what happens all the time (laughs) Well, it was like, we know what happens. I like, when we, we, we always try and not get ahead of ourselves, but it doesn't work. I remember when we were originally, like, planning the podcast in its initial stages, and we were all like, you know, we can, we, we do each episode as if, like, it's the first time we see, no, out the window first episode. <laughs> that was, like, one thing you said, and I didn't really address it, because I'm like, okay, that could work. And then no sooner did we record, like, an, our intro episode and then our very first episode we're like 
no, this is not going to work. Yeah, it's not going to work. It was wishful thinking on my part. And I liked having a plan that was crumbling before my eyes. <laughs> um, no, it was really bad. Um, but I think it's safe to say at this point, everyone's pretty much our listeners have already seen the show. You know, like we're not spoiling anything from them. Uh so it's not an issue, but I mean, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to analyze things when you know what's coming next, because some some of the point of the analysis is to say like, well, maybe this affected him in this way. Well, we know what happened, so. <laughs> I actually disagree. I actually disagree. I would oh, really? say I find it much easier and or meaningful to analyze in retrospect, having seen it and rewatching. Um, because I think knowing, I think knowing what happens to the characters later on helps you see them in their initial early stages in a new light. And so you think like, oh, she was acting, she acted that way when she was younger because of all this that happened. And oh, that's why she brought that up again later. And like, you kind of make connections that you didn't know were there the first time because you'd never seen it. Yeah, but don't you miss the excitement of being like, I wonder what's going to happen. And also, is this character going to continue to disappoint me? Is this character um, gonna grow up? For example, like I think that's the part that not I miss necessarily, but I think um, our it's a part of the podcast that we yes I think we listen I think we bring a different side of analysis to it because we know what's happened, mm-hmm. so it's easier for that, us to then say well this happened because of this reason, but I mean I don't know what I mean. I think, like, I do miss the anticipation of not knowing what's going to happen next when you've seen it so many times that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think there's it's fun to have seen something a bunch of times and then not watch it for a really long time, like several years, and then go back to it, and then maybe you don't remember. Like, that's hap- like that's happening to me right now. I'm rewatching a show that I, I've, I think I've seen the first season a couple of times, but the other seasons I, I only saw once when they aired. And I'm like, I have no idea what, what happens. Like, I do not remember. So it's interesting to think, oh, that's right, you know, and then you piece it all back together. And I think, to me, that's just as meaningful, if not more meaningful, than watching it the first time. Because it's like, A, you know what happens, and there's a comfort in that. And it's, you know, you know it's not going to hurt you, or it's going to hurt you in, in ways that... Or, or you, know, you know it's going to hurt you, and you're going to be prepared for it. Like, I don't know. I think it's easier for me personally to analyze that way, because if I'm watching it for the first time... I have no idea what's happening. I don't feel I don't feel as confident or concrete in making judgments or analysis, not knowing who they are yet. You know? Yeah, I do have to say, though, like now that you mention it, I do enjoy that aspect of like, oh, well, that's why Lorelai was being such a dick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because of this reason, for example, you know, so I do enjoy kind of having these aha moments where I go back and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember. But. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think there's a, you know, when you listen to podcasts of people that are watching for the first time, it's not it's not that I'm saying it's better in any way. I think it's just a different perspective, right? Um, both equally yeah. good, but, you know, it, they're looking at it all new and shiny, and we're looking at it as veterans having seen this so many times. And exactly. there's pros and there's cons to both. Um, I think we're pretty damn entertaining, though. So, <laughs> So, I think on the topic of podcasts where they where the hosts are watching for the first time, I've listened to a few, and it's mostly been um, I've listened to episodes of shows that I know and I want to I, I want to experience 
their thoughts and and feelings seeing it for the very first time mm-hmm. and I've only listened to a few because a lot of them were just so disappointing and I'm like you missed the point of everything and so I just turn it off because it just it makes me mad so for me personally I think I would if I were going to seek out a podcast about a show I love I would want and this sounds self-indulgent but I would want a show like ours because at least we know like we know the show well enough to we know the, the material. <laughs> yeah, we know the material, and like we know the characters well enough to judge them, you know. Yeah, I think if anyone's gonna judge them, it should be us. Yes, because you know, <laughs> that's just what we do. When we judge everybody, um, we shouldn't though. We suck. <laughs> okay. Uh, so on that note. I think we've talked about everything we have to talk about about the episode. Mm-hmm. I would like to shamelessly plug plug our merch now that we have merch. Oh, please. Please. Um, so merch. Okay, it's not merch, really. Um, <laughs> what it is is that um, podcast hosting is expensive. <laughs> um, and so basically, we're not really doing it for profit. We're doing it just to keep the podcast going. So we've been selling uh, magnets. Refrigerating mm-hmm. magnets, whatever magnets, um, with different characters' faces on them and quotes and whatever. Just something fun that I'm sure fans of the show would like. Um, and so far, we've raised enough money for us to continue podcasting for the next seven months. <laughs> so you bought us seven more months of podcast time. So thank you very much for that. Seven um, more months of us being bitter and yelling at each other. Exactly. <laughs> so... Uh, what have you done? But no, it's been, it's really just, yeah, a way for, it was a way for us to kind of, um, recoup some of the money that we've put in out of our own pockets. Um, we're by no means like shop owners, experts, whatever. It was really just a way to give you guys a product that you would like, that you would find funny. We just did our Emily Gilmore quotes. Um, and just for us to, to make back some of the money that's come out of our pockets. So there will be new ones. We've gotten a lot of requests for Team Logan ones because we started with Team Jess. Listen, I know my audience. I know what sells people. Thank you. I have to ask, though. Yeah? You're doing Team Jess. Well, we've done, you've done Team Jess and you're doing Team Logan. No. So we're not doing Dean merch? No. <laughs> no. So, you know, Stop asking we, for Dean merch. Stop asking for Tristan merch. Oh my gosh, okay. Yes, there were some for Dean, and you wish, like, ignored the comments. There were some saying Team Tristan. That's not happening. That is not a thing. So, the first person that was like, but I'm Team Tristan, I was like, I'm going to ignore this lady because she's clearly off her meds. (laughs) And then, um, but I couldn't ignore her, so I was like, oh, honey, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you say, you said... So the second time somebody was like, I'm team Tristan. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys like reproducing? So I was, I couldn't take it anymore. And she yelled at me in all caps. She was like, I'm team Tristan. So I yelled back in all caps, ding dong, your opinion's wrong. Oh my God, that killed me. (laughs) So I was just over it. I am not making team Tristan merch. Go away. I'm sorry. Until you, until I saw those comments, I like. I'm sorry. Is there a team Tristan? Like, is that a thing? No, there was team Tristan. Like, they were really out here fucking wishing that standing Tristan and Roy. They never dated. They had one very awkward kiss. 
and he's and in it for like a hot minute and the only and then he left for one tree hill and it was just all the way so whatever mm. i was just like i don't know how to speak to people who are clearly not okay delusional um, delusions girl delusions delusional delusional dean you can understand because at least they dated jesus but tristan is like what <laughs> no i was super shocked um and responded accordingly apparently yes you did <laughs> um so yeah so it's just a way like i said for us to um fund the podcast so thank you for everyone who's purchased stuff there's more coming we're gonna do some team logan ones we're gonna do some lorelei uh luke ones and um we might venture out of magnets. It's just the easiest thing for me to make right now. Um, but yeah, so thank you very much for that. Is there a bracket update for everybody? There is not a bracket update. <laughs> Did we like just neglect the bracket? <laughs> I, yeah, I dropped the ball. <laughs> but I was, I mean, we, we, didn't, we haven't mentioned it for a while. I mean, well, we didn't mention it in our two bonus episodes, but we definitely mentioned it um, in our last regular regular show. But I can give you guys another matchup right now please if you want one <laughs> yeah i will yeah we'll do that um so the next matchup friends is 513 wedding bell blues versus 609 the prodigal daughter returns mm, i have to go with 513 okay well, nobody asked you oh rude no i'm kidding <laughs> yeah i also have to go with 513 um yeah that's my opinion though so we'll see. I was really surprised um, by one of the, um, the the results that we got. So it was 316, the big one, versus 507. Mm. And, and 507 won. That's interesting. And I would have thought that 316 would have won just because people love season three. So that was kind of shocking to me. But you never know how these bracket things are going to go. You need to reevaluate your choices. Oh, shut up. Um, we also have another um, poll currently that I put this morning and Jeffrey was upset about. I put who's the better Logan? So baby Logan versus older Logan. So older Logan being the Logan that we saw in A Year in the Life and currently um, on The Resident. Jeffrey was upset because they're like, baby Logan is terrible. <laughs> Baby Logan is terrible. Like, I have never and never will be into Baby Logan. It's not I mean, he's, he's good looking, but he's nothing compared to his older... He aged like fine wine. He really did. And I'd like to take this opportunity to clear the air on um, my relationship with grown-up Milo, which has caused a bit of controversy on our Instagram page. Oh, my gosh. Eleni's um, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm like, um, but I don't know if I ever, I don't know if, I, if I've ever said in past podcast episodes that I don't like Grown Up Milo. I might have, I might have suggested that um, when we discussed which of Rory's boyfriends aged the best, because I will always choose um, Matt Zuckery. So, um, originally, for the longest time, I was never really into Grown Up Milo. But over the last few months since our hiatus, um, one of our fans named Michelle has helped me see the, see the light in terms of, and Karen too, our, our lovely devoted fan Karen also uh, contributed to this of making me reconsider Grown Up Milo. And I think the reason why I kind of cast him aside for so long was because just him as Jess, the early 2000s, like always is 
first and foremost. So I just didn't ever want to consider any other versions of him. But now I am very much on the train of Grown Up Milo. So in case there was any confusion. But I do, do still maintain that Matt Zuckery aged the best out of all three. Oh, definitely. There's no contest. No. Like, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. As your mother would say. Uh, yeah, so lots of fun stuff brewing in the podcast um, sphere, our podcast sphere. So <laughs> I think I think we've um, we've annoyed them enough today. I think so. First with our, like, console culture rant and then this shit. Um, where can they find us, Jeffrey? Um, they can follow us on Twitters at Gilmore Podcast and on Instagram at Gilmore Girls Podcast. Or you can send us an email, gilmorepodcast at gmail.com. Um, so some of you have taken to sending us emails over the last few months and just wanted to express our gratitude for that and for anyone who's reached out to us uh, during our hiatus saying they just found our podcast and are enjoying it or they miss us and they want us to come back. And so we're back now. Okay. Yay. We're back now. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for all the love. Um, it means a lot and makes us want to continue doing this. So thank you. Thank you so, so much. We'll be back next week. We're back to a regular schedule. So next week, the fun really begins with Rory off at college. And we're going to talk about that and so many more things, as you know. (laughs) Yes, yes, so much. So thank you so much for listening, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye.